Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 61 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is April 15th. 2009 tax days so if you haven't sent in your taxes yet make sure you do that and this week we have a really exciting podcast we're going to be talking all about spring football there's been a lot of developments going on there just over halfway through usc spring football so we're going to talk about that with coach harvey hyde in the first segment and then dan wikey the uscfootball.com beat writer in the second segment if you have any questions don't be afraid to email us podcast at uscfootball.com any of your questions for any of us We'll try to answer those on the podcast. You can even send an audio version of your question if you'd like, and we'll play it on the podcast so you can hear your voice and everyone else out there in the Trojan land can listen to it. But I just wanted to talk in the first segment. we got to talk Matt Barkley. we got to talk running backs with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, how are you doing today? Ryan, I'm doing good. Why did you have to mention it's tax day? <laughs> uh, huh? Just... I was doing just fine until you said that. <laughs> I still have to send the government some money, Coach, so I don't, <laughs> I'll do that a little bit later today. I'm going to wait till the last second. All right, just wait for the last second. But I'm doing great. Uh, it's great uh, being with everyone out there, and uh, I hope uh, everyone had a great Easter. And, uh, and now it's time to uh, get ready for the second half of spring practice. It is, Coach, and hope everyone had a great Easter as well. My, coach, I don't know. My mom, I'm 38 years old. My mom still sends me an Easter basket every year. Do you think that's okay? I think it's awesome. I think it's absolutely awesome. I went on an Easter egg hunt myself. What do you think about that? That is awesome. Yeah, my sister lives in uh, Washington D.C. and they took my little niece, who's like three and a half, on the the Washington, you know, the White House Easter egg roll thing, and they got her Fergie was there. They got her picture with Fergie. They had a good time out there. So I didn't do Easter eggs, but I do have the candy. I love the candy. So that's, thanks, mom, for sending that out there. That's good, buddy. I tell you, <laughs> if you love the candy. Uh, just don't eat too much of it, okay? No, I don't want de- you to get a sugar hangover. Right, definitely not. But if you got if you got some Easter money or maybe some uh, you got some money back from Uncle Sam from your taxes and you want to get some tickets to the Dodgers or Angels or Lakers playoffs, anything like that, why don't you give uh, Southern California Tickets a try? SCTickets.com is their website address or 1-800-888-7287. Concerts, sporting events, theater, whatever you need tickets for, you can get them at SCTickets.com. You're exactly right. Plus, you have their address and phone number, too, right there on the website. So when they go in there, they'll be able to see that. Definitely, Coach. And uh, all right, spring football. The, it, I was a little disappointed with how the quarterback race had gone through maybe the first six or so practices. It just no one really seemed to be kind of taking the reins. And, you know, maybe it was Mitch Mustaine. Maybe it was Aaron Court. Maybe it was a big run by true freshman Matt Barkley is, is Garrett Green. The, the dark horse there and Garrett Green's kind of been delegated to fourth string and is playing a lot of wide receivers. So he kind of dropped out, but practice, I believe it was practice number seven, Matt Barkley made a, a major push. He did not throw an incomplete pass that wasn't dropped. He was only two incomplete passes all day. And both of those were drops. He played really, really well in the practice before the scrimmage on this past Saturday. And you were down there at the scrimmage as well. Barkley went off and uh, threw, I think, I think he had three touchdown passes, um, just really played well for two practices in a row. And uscfootball.com message boards lit up with <laughs> Barkley talk. And, you know, is it conceivable that this true freshman who should be still be in high school is now the best quarterback on campus? So I think, I mean, that's the first topic I want to talk about, Coach. And, you know, you were down there on Saturday. What, what, what did you see from him in the scrimmage and, and, and what you've seen overall in spring ball? Well, it's the best way to explain it. I think he's been the one that's progressed the most from seeing him the first day when I was out there with you and so on and everybody, that, that the two or 3,000 people that were out there, to what I saw this past Saturday. I think he's the one that's progressed the most. What I mean by that, the other quarterbacks are outstanding quarterbacks, but this young kid still would be in high school. And you see him coming along and, in, 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 and catching up with them. 
and in some cases maybe some people feel past them. The best way to explain it, if you've been going to spring practice, if you were to not put a number on any of the quarterbacks, like you put them all in a jersey with no number, and you let them play, it's like that old taste thing, you know, which, uh, which <laughs> is the real thing. Uh, that then at the end of the scrimmage, you'd say, I like the performance of this quarterback. When you don't take in their age or their experience or any of that, you just say, which one did you like? He would be right in the mix. I'm telling you that right now. Will he be the starting quarterback? I don't know. But uh, there's still a lot of, of spring practice to go. But I would say right now he's the one that has impressed me the most as far as improving, standing in the huddle, taking command of the huddle. He's not intimidated at all of his competition, and uh, he really does throw a nice ball. He might throw the hardest ball of all of them, and he's very calm and he learns. And as at this point of his career as a freshman, now I'm not going to say he's going to be as good as Carson Palmer or Matt Leinhardt or any of those people. How can you say that? when he's a freshman, but I'm telling you, as a freshman, as a freshman, he's as good as, as far as the potential as being as good as or better than two Heisman Trophy winners. Now, that, that might sound stupid for people that think I can predict that. I can't, but I'm saying challenging, coming in, playing like this. Uh, he's ahead of Mark Sanchez. Let me put it to you that way. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's high praise, Coach. And one of the reasons I really like having you on, there's a lot of reasons, but I mean, because of your former, you know, division one coaching experience here, uh, I, I think you can bring a different perspective than a lot of people that we talk to. I mean, one of the big questions I have is we're, we're there on the field. I mean, you and I both watched practice from the stands or at the Coliseum or wherever we're standing on the sidelines. We actually end up charting every throw we can. We put together a uscfootball.com quarterback rating and, and you know, a lot, there's a lot of estimates in there, but we, you know, we try to you know every you know every play we try to figure it out and we write it down in the practice reports, and that's what we can observe. And how I mean, how close to what we're seeing on the practice field? I mean, can we get a feel for how well guys are doing compared to what the coaches have, where they can rewatch film from all the different angles and you know talk to these guys in meetings and get there kind of you know the mental state and know what plays were called like maybe a play looks great but it was a broken play or maybe it was you know a different breakdown that wasn't the quarterback's fault like how different can it be if you watch practice and see one guy do really well but then in the film room he didn't do as well you know, you kind of know what I'm saying there coach no I do know uh, and you do do most of your coaching and teaching off the film you don't do it in practice but you don't have time you hold down practice you don't see coaches coaching much in practice I used to do yell at my coaches when they started doing too much. They move on, move on, move on. We'll do it later. We'll do it later. Get the next one. We need our time is precious to us. We've got to get plays in. We've got to get them videotaped or film. We've got to be able to break them down later on. And and you do all your coaching off of that, off your videotapes and your meetings with in your small meetings with your groups. And uh, I just I just uh, I think a lot of times a quarterback can make a mistake you think oh my gosh why did he throw that ball well it wasn't his fault maybe the back was supposed to break on something or like on saturday the screen passes that they ran you know they they at least they were running a lot of screen passes and i was really happy to see that And they ran a couple of draws that i was really happy to see and you know it takes a lot of time to get the timing uh for screen passes especially and the backs were out a little bit too far and, you know, they didn't hide well enough. They didn't step up in the line enough for as far as disguising the screens and so on. But when they go back into the uh, film room and with their meetings, they're able to show all that. And a little bit later on, they'll put in a play when the defense runs out there to stop those screens like that. You set up that screen and you run out and you set up the screen and then the back tears back across the middle where all the backs and everybody's left. And you just hit him the ball. He turns up the seam and he's gone. Now, you know, we used to run that a lot at UNLV. I don't know if you guys see it or people have seen that, but when they stop the screen, then there's other plays that you could do. You run a fake screen. You set up the screen. The back goes out there, stops like you're going to throw the ball, and he streaks back back across the middle where all the pursuit has gone out to stop the screen, and you hit him the ball, and, and he goes up the middle. So, you know, you've got to do a lot of different things. But I'm glad to see that they were – they don't always score touchdowns, but you've got to be able to have it on film – to be able to make it a better play. But they ran draws on Saturday. They ran some screens on Saturday. 
They did a lot of things that they can teach uh, teach with. And, and, you know, sometimes someone might look great doing something he did wrong. But uh, that's what you teach off of. And I'll tell you, one thing I've noticed about SC's offense so far, so far, is the running game, when running plays go, it's because of a great, great effort. The passing game right now are big plays. They are a big play passing offense. On, on the running game currently right now, I don't know if they could line up and drive down the field uh, just running the football. Not that any team can. But, but I noticed great efforts from Curtis McNeil. I mean, he gets down and scoots around and makes plays that really aren't plays. And uh, they, they still need to work a little bit on their toss play. But at least they're running their toss play. They're running it to the, the weak side and, and so on. Maybe later on they'll run it back to the tight end side. But I, I notice all these things. At least they're attempting it, and they can teach off of it. If you don't run them in practice, even if they don't work, you've got to be able to teach off of it. And this is one thing I'm enjoying watching this spring is they're putting their packages in. Now, when you put a lot of packages in, they don't always work on offense because there's a lot of timing to it. But you can teach off the videos, and I think this is what they're doing. They'll, they'll, they'll edit those tapes up where they'll have all the screens on one roll. They'll have all the draws on one roll. They'll have all the tosses on one roll. They'll have all the slants on one roll. And, and they'll go through it and dissect it and say, see, you threw the ball a little early here, or you threw a little bit late here, or he was open and you didn't see it. So, you know, this is what spring practice is all about, and I like seeing that. And maybe now on to... I think you're going to see Jeremy Bates out of the huddle. Now, he was in the huddle calling plays on Saturday just to make sure everything was going correctly. Eventually, he's going to have to go to the sideline and call those plays, and these quarterbacks are going to have to be able to take the information, call the play without him being there, and get the play done within 40 seconds. That's an interesting observation, Coach, because that's something that maybe – you know, with Jeremy Bates in the huddle, that really helped out Matt Barkley. Maybe, you know, it would have been a little bit more of a struggle for him uh, if the plays were called in from the sideline. I don't know. That's a, that's a good point, though. Uh, but in your experience, I mean, I think the biggest question a lot of people have on the message boards, I mean, there, there was a lot of buzz because Barkley really did well. I mean, there wasn't a question who played the best out of the quarterbacks if you just watched the practices there. But the thing is, he's a true freshman. He should be in high school right now. He doesn't know if he's going to go to his prom yet or not. As, as you know, you're the head coach. Your job could definitely be on the line. I mean, in, in this era, I mean, obviously Pete Carroll's not going to get fired. Um, but you know, there's still you know you have reputations to protect. You have to try and do whatever you can to win for your team. Do you trust a true freshman quarterback, even if he wins the job? I mean, how the intangibles that he doesn't have. Uh, I mean, he does have intangibles, but there's things that he doesn't have, the, the experience, stuff like that. Um, how, you know, how comfortable do you feel putting any kind of true freshman there in that sort of position, Coach? It's difficult. I'll tell you, it's difficult, especially when the second game of the year you're going back to Columbus and playing Ohio State. But I tell you, if he's clearly the best player, clearly, and you give him your confidence, and everybody on that team knows that he's clearly the best quarterback, including Mustaine, Green, and Corp, and you don't start him, then you're not playing the best player. And then your philosophy of, hey, come to USC, and if you're the best, and we have our you know, challenges that we have going on and so on, and you don't start him, now you've got a little bit of a problem because he knows he's the best too. And all quarterbacks so far this spring have been very humble, and they get along very well. And they're evaluating not only their self, but they're evaluating their competition daily. You might not think they are, but they are. And in those meetings, they are, too, when they're off the field in with Jeremy Bates in, in video meetings and so on. And they know who is making the right decisions and who's the leader and who's taking over the huddle and who the team's looking to. Now, and you see this in practice. You watch and see whose eyes light up when so-and-so's in the huddle or calls a play. And I'll tell you, if you don't start that person, then the team doubts if they saw the same thing that you saw. And in meetings, when you have meetings and you'd have team meetings and offense and so on, they know who's doing the right thing or the wrong thing. So if you don't play the best player, then really, then 
other players doubt your decision and ask the question why. And now you got a little bit of a problem. But I, I don't think he's clearly yet won that position. I don't think anyone has at quarterback. So for us to be talking like this a little bit in advance, it's good to talk about it. But Aaron Corpus had a great spring, too. And uh, Mustaine, uh, you know, sometimes has not had as many turns with the right units and so on. And, and I know he's a fine player. It's great to have this type of problem. It really is. It's a great uh, – it's a problem, but it's a great problem to have. No, and, and just to be to be fair to the other quarterbacks, too, Barkley had been the best over the past couple practices, and it just kind of looked like he came on strong there. There's still a lot of spring left. I mean, Aaron Corp or Mitch Mustaine could take the reins and, and, and perform really, really well. And it looks like right now, Coach, that most likely Aaron Corp would still be named – the starting quarterback at the end of the spring. And since, you know, Pete Carroll's been at USC, that starting quarterback at the end of the spring from Leinart and uh, Booty and Sanchez has always ended up being the guy in the fall. But, it, you know, in this case, if if Barkley does still perform well, they do need a leader over the summer. And, and for people that don't know, I mean, they have these summer workouts and it's usually led by the quarterback. They'll go out there after they do their conditioning drills with Coach, with, uh, Coach Carlisle, strength and conditioning coach, They'll have their own little throwing sessions where they get the guys out there. And in June, a lot of the true freshmen come on campus. So the older, you know, the upperclassmen have to kind of take them under their wings. They'll have, you know, two or three practices a week where they're doing seven on seven, 11 on 11, and they'll run drills, they'll run one on ones. And you need some kind of leader there to help facilitate all of that. And I think Aaron Corp would make sense. Aaron Corp or Mitch Mustaine would make sense to kind of be that guy. But in this case, Coach, if, if if Matt Barkley was performing better, I think the fall quarterback battle, which normally hasn't been a battle per se, this year could be one where, you know, Will Corp or whoever wins be able to hold off a guy like Matt Barkley. And, and you know, will they know who the starting quarterback is going to be, you know, one or two weeks into fall camp? It's hard to say. I don't believe that they'll know at the end of spring if it continues to go the way it is. They might name Corp, but... I don't believe they're going to name a person because I think that there's still a lot of time for Matt Barkley to get better. And if he continues to improve as he did in the spring during the summer and in the fall camps and so on, and let's say they all improve, then, you know, you've got to reevaluate it. I I, I don't think they want to name a starting quarterback. You always want to name a starting quarterback, but you do not want to take the enthusiasm away from the other quarterbacks if it's that close. But you want to have a great fall camp. So, you know, and you want to have a great summer workout and all of this and that. So I would, I, I just have a feeling, yes, they want to name one. How solid will that naming be? I don't think it'll be that solid. I think that, that the starting quarterback at USC will be determined, say, within a week or week and a half of fall camp. Wow. That'll definitely be, I mean, if it's not the same guy, it'll be different than anything that's ever happened in the Pete Carroll era. But this is a different quarterback battle i mean the, the matt liner matt castle one with brandon hans was definitely interesting um and that worked out well for usc but you know as you can tell matt you know, matt castle still doing pretty well himself so it, it could be a similar kind of problem there um coach you you brought up some really interesting stuff before we went on to to the air to record this um the, the running back situation not as many people are talking about just because the quarterback stuff has been okay uh, cj gable hurt his hip he had an mri on that we have not got the results yet of there Joe McKnight's still kind of nursing his toe injury Bradford's still out I mean there's a lot of tailbacks kind of on the shelf and one guy you already mentioned seems to be kind of taking control of things now well I think Curtis McNeil is the surprise player and if you remember I think it was on this show I'm not quite sure you asked me who would be the rookie of uh, the spring class or spring ball and you know Matt Barkley of course is one but I mentioned that I thought that the surprise players would be Mark uh, Tyler, which uh, just has, had been unfortunate so far to have a, a rhythm and, and, and get accomplished what Curtis McNeil has done. Curtis McNeil, not a big back, but a stocky back, has really been, I think, the most consistent performer in spring practice. I mean, he makes things happen. I mean, if a play isn't there, he makes the play happen by cutting back or finding the hole or, 
scooting around or breaking to the outside. He is a, say, a a unknown that has really surfaced. Uh, didn't get any turns last year. I think he even redshirted last year. I'm not sure. But yeah, yeah. Mark, he, he, he came he in did. late. He came in late and redshirted. So yeah, it was right. Uh, yeah. So you know, I think he's he's a surprise. And I think Pete Carroll might even say this. I don't know. You you deal with Coach Carroll more than I do, but to, to that he's the biggest surprise as far as the running backs. I think Mark Tyler's had a so-so spring. Joe McKnight hadn't practiced at all. I think Stephon Johnson is an outstanding player. C.J. Gable got hurt Saturday with his hip and so on. Bradford's been hurt. McKnight's been out. I mean, so I would say that if – now this is just my opinion. If you started a game today, the one that I think the back that I would think deserves to start would probably be Curtis McNeil. He's made bigger plays consistently. Blocks well, too, for his size. You know, he's probably 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, but he's stocky and put together well. Now, I'm not trying to put down Stephon Johnson, these guys that have all this experience. I think they're great backs and will be great backs. But I'm saying this kid is a surprise as far as a running back this spring. And I think that, he, you know, SC would be great with him as a running back. No, that's a really good point, Coach. I, You know, I never thought about the way you put it, and I'm like, wow, that's really true. I mean, Stephon Johnson has been in there, but Curtis McNeil really has made more plays, and he had over 100 yards in that scrimmage, and he's definitely capable of when the play breaks down and the hole's not there, he's able to make something happen. He's just that kind of – there's an instinctual quality to him. He's a playmaker, and, yeah, he's not big, but – he he is stocky and he's powerful and I think you made up a you had a good point with the blocking I think he's definitely has to get better at it but he's a lot better I think than you would initially think he would be and if you look at just look at his lower body how powerful those legs are he's not tall but he does have a lot of power for someone his size oh I agree with you and I saw him take on Saturday uh, defensive ends and linebackers and so on and you know. He's not going to take him on with the chest, hit him in the chest, but he's going to knock him down or at least make an attempt to knock him down. And the more turns he gets, the better he gets at it, too. So they're not going to run over him. He's going to find a way to slow him down. And, you know, I haven't seen that with consistency with the other backs either. And So I'm just saying, giving you my opinion, I haven't been at practice every day, but the, when I have been at practice, this kid has been the one that's been the most consistent. Now, you know, he might not end up at the at the number one spot, and I'm sure when they come out with a depth chart, it's always filled with ors. So it's Stephon Johnson or CJ. You know, they always they don't really say like one, two, three, especially at tailback. But do you think because his game is so different than everyone else in that unit that he should he's earned enough to get some playing time, like third down or whatever? Even if he's not named one of the top two or three guys, he might play more than like the number two or three guy just because he brings something unique to the table in his skill set. I, I, I think he does. I, I think if you don't play him, people will wonder why he's not playing. I think he's a combination of McKnight and a combination of Turner or, or Bradford. He has power. He could get the short yardage for you because he can slide around the line of scrimmage and find that hole. Plus he has tremendous quickness. So I think he's a combination of both. And I think that, like we talked earlier regarding the quarterback position, players know who playmakers are. And Curtis McNeil's a playmaker. Let's face it, he's a playmaker. And I'm not saying the other backs aren't playmakers, but he's made more plays with less opportunities as far as with big holes and so on than anybody else this spring. No, that's a, that's a good point, Coach. And he's I got to see him in high school when I first when, when USC was first recruiting. I covered the uh, his Venice team went up, uh, played up in the Valley, and man, he just kind of took over. He played up at Oaks Christian, and they were down, and he like picked. He was playing cornerback and picked off a ball for a touchdown, returned it in for a touchdown. And then, you know, he scored I think like five touchdowns or something in the game. And I, there's something to be said about it. Just he just has this knack, and I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. You've coached some really great players, and, and I, I think the coaches are starting. I mean, they must realize that. They know that there's there's got to be a way to get him on the field. And even when you watch, like, an Alan Bradford who performs really well in practices and then you never really got to see him on the field, there's just something a little bit different about him. There's a lot of there's a lot of Alan Bradford fans out there, and I'm one of them. I mean, you just get to, to watch him make plays. 
but there's just something a little different about what Curtis McNeil does. And it's hard to put your finger on it, but I really think Georgia fans, if you watch him perform in practice and he does well, he's going to do the same thing in games. There's going to be opportunities for him. And I think there'll be more opportunities than a lot of people think there will be. No, I agree with you. And I'll tell you what, one thing you do is you always have your playmakers on the field. If you don't have your playmakers on the field, then you're hurting the team. We always go back to that one play in the Rose Bowl game when Reggie Bush was on the sideline on one of the biggest plays in, in, in you know, the national championship game against Texas. Everyone talks about why, was, why wasn't Reggie on the field. I mean, I'm not going back to, to prove those things or, or bring up negative things, but I'm trying to make a point here that playmakers got to be on the play, on the field. They've got to get their turns. They might not score on every play but they certainly have the potential to making that big play as a receiver, as a linebacker, as a defensive end, as a defensive back, as a safety. It doesn't make any difference. Some kids are great athletes, and then there's some kids that are great athletes and playmakers. They make things happen. And Curtis so far this spring, uh, as an unknown to me, as a rookie, I call him a rookie, as an unknown, has done that, and I'm impressed with what he's done. And that's basically what I'm saying. I'm not saying he's any better than any of those others, but so far this spring he has been the guy that's been a playmaker. All right, Coach, so I'll write this down. You're saying Curtis McNeil is the best, most talented back USC's ever had. All right, we got that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just no, Don't but, be saying that. <laughs> we'll, we'll play that all over again for you. No, thank, well, Coach, I appreciate that. And that's, I think it's a great observation. That's a, you know one of the many reasons we like having you on there. And it, you, you, it's hard to argue. I mean, you watch – he's been so consistent throughout spring football. I think it's going to be really fun to watch him this summer as he continues to mature. And then I think fall camp, you're going to get all those people out there watching practice. It's going to be hard for any, you know, to, deny, to deny him his chances. I think uh, – you know, we'll, we'll talk to the Todd McNair, the running back coach, coming up with him. But I know he's a real big fan of McNeil, and it sounds like a lot more USC fans will be in the very near future. Yep. Remember the number, 22. 22. All right, Coach. Well, thank you very much again for uh, joining us and sharing all your insights, and we'll uh, look forward to talking to you next week, which will be the last week of spring football. Well, thank you very much. I look forward to being with you. And again, uh, to all our Trojan fans, we appreciate you listening. Yes, thanks to all the listeners. Thanks to sctickets.com for sponsorship Excuse me, of this segment. We'll be back after this 30-second break, and we're going to talk to uscfootball.com beat writer, Dan Wykey. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's one 800 888-7287 or visit us on the web at sctickets.com SC Tickets, Concert, Sports, and Theater We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast We are joined in this segment by usafootball.com beat writer Dan Wyke talking a little bit more spring football What's going on today, Dan? Uh, nothing. Just enjoying a, a a day without a practice. Actually, you know, just a, a little quiet, a little bit of a break, and uh, I'll get right back into it on Thursday. Yeah, it's a, it was kind of a. It's going to be a weird stretch for USC practices. Uh, they're going to practice Tuesday, then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So four out of five days. It's a lot of uh, work. We've been down there at each and every practice, talking all about you know spring football and you know different stories you've been writing every day. But obviously, the the biggest story so far has been the quarterback battle, and the biggest sub-story, I guess, part of that has been the play of Matt Barkley, who's really performed well. I think he had the best practice of any quarterback back in practice number seven last week, where he only threw two incomplete passes, and both of those were drops. He played really well in the scrimmage with a few touchdown passes, and I think the question now is, can you know if you know can he win the starting spot? I mean, he's playing better than the other guys right now, but do you think he can win that starting spot? Um, I do, but I think it'll be tougher for him to win it than it would be, than it will be for Eric Corp. I think that because he's a freshman and I mean, because he's really only been around for, you know, months instead of years, 
um, he's going to have to outperform Aaron Corp by a wide margin to win this job. I, I think that is kind of a handicap that he has. Um, just, I mean, being a freshman, the lack of experience he's going to have to overcome. He's going to have to. He's going to have to be very convincing, and, and you know, he has been. Um, Really, in those pretty like you mentioned, practice seven and then scrimmage on Saturday. I would encourage anybody to go back and, and look at um, the practice report from uh, from from practice seven. I believe it was last Thursday, and, and from the scrimmage report on Saturday, and just look at the rep by rep breakdown. Look at our QBR ratings and stuff like that. And I mean, it's wide. I mean, I think you know you had two incomplete passes on that Thursday, both of which were not passes, very very catchable balls. And I mean, he, he was he was flawless. Now. Oh, if on film, you know, he's missing reads and stuff like that. It's hard to tell that stuff, but from what we see, and I think from what fans see when they're out there, I mean, it looks like he's the best quarterback right now. And it's not to say it's going to end up that way. I mean, we're not saying, you know, he. it's been a short stretch, to be honest. I mean, it's been a few practices, but he has really stood out there. Uh, but I think you you said some interesting stuff to Pete Carroll to try and get him to say, you know, is it? Could you name a freshman the starting quarterback at this point? He kind of avoided your your question there. Well, you kind of go over that a little bit if you can. <laughs> um, well, I asked him uh, if you know at this point in time, you know, after eight practices, this is on Saturday at the, after the scrimmage, that if he's more comfortable, if he'd be more comfortable handing over the keys to the offense now to Barkley than he would have been eight practices ago. And, and he, he, you know, he said he didn't, he didn't really want to answer that at this point, but. I, I mean, I think the obvious answer is yes. I mean, how could he not? Um, you know, I think that he continues to say how surprised he is with with Barkley's just kind of the way he's grasped everything, the way he's handled being a true freshman, being a true freshman quarterback. It's something that, you know, he said that they haven't had in eight years, um, you know, at USC, something they haven't had since he's been there. And it, it's, really, it's really remarkable when you think about the fact that, I mean, this guy was in high school months ago. And, you know, now he's kind of on the cusp of maybe being the starting quarterback for, you know, a, a national championship caliber team. Yeah, and if the USC fans can remember way back when with uh, Carson Palmer, he came in and he didn't end up starting the first game that year. I think it was against Purdue, but he came in later in the uh, later in the, the game. And I think he threw a long pass to Larry Parker and kind of, you know, it was from there, just his career just took off and he, you know, he took over the reins and, you know, maybe we could see something like that with, with Matt Barkley. It's hard to say, but I, you know, I, and I talked with coach Hyde about this in the last segment and it, it looks like Aaron Corp will probably still be named the starter coming out of spring, almost no matter what, unless Barkley really, really blows away the competition. But it does seem like right now Barkley has a legitimate shot to win it. albeit maybe it has to be, that has to happen in the fall. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing Pete Carroll said yesterday um, was that, you know, that they still want to name a starter at the end of spring. I mean, I mean for almost they have to for administrative reasons. I mean, to, to have a guy kind of in charge of the players-only workouts, a guy organizing the, the throwing drills and the seven-on-sevens and stuff like that, I mean, you need to have a, a, a leadership voice like that. And, and it'll be tough to make that, that voice Barclays. I mean, it, it – it's just hard to do, especially when you have more veteran guys there. Um, I think that the interesting thing about it is, just like you said, I mean, come fall, this thing could start all over again. And, and really, um, albeit probably, it seems like at this point, it's more of a two-man race. But who knows? I mean, I, they say Mitch Mustaine's still in it, and I haven't seen that yet, but maybe it's coming. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe... We talk a lot about him, maybe just, you know, something all of a sudden kind of like a light switch flipping on and all of a sudden he gets everything he's comfortable and, and he showcases the skills that, you know, everybody believes him to have. I, I don't know if that day is ever going to come, but it, I guess that possibility still exists. I mean, it's certainly, he's certainly capable of doing it. I mean, he, you know, he started a whole bunch of games, back, you know, in SEC territory and who knows, maybe he's more of a gamer than a practice guy. He still seems to be somewhat optimistic. I guess the negative on him right now is the fact that we've seen the quarterback reps be split up a little bit differently. Mustaine has had a good share of first team reps, uh, you know, through, you know, with the first team offense, it's, it's kind of moved around every single day, but the, the distribution of reps has been more of a like 35%, 35%, 30% where Mustaine was kind of getting like the 30. A lot of the times they gave Corp a little bit more since he was a leader and they gave Barkley a little bit more to see what he looks like. 
this last practice, not to say that this is an indication of things to come, but there was very limited reps for Mitch Mustaine. It was probably like 90% of the reps went to Corp and um, Barkley, and Mustaine was kind of on the outside looking in. Now, they could do it the same way and leave Barkley out, you know, on Thursday's practice and leave Corp out on Friday. I mean, who knows what their, their thinking is, if there's a real reason behind that. But it can't be encouraging to see Mustaine's reps drop that much. I, I actually, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to talk to Mitch after uh, Tuesday's practice. Um, I believe he took 13 reps in total, including 12 in installation, kind of like an installation 11-on-11 period early in practice. After that, in the more competitive periods, he took one he took one rep. A pass he completed, by the way. <laughs> I mean, but it's probably one rep, yeah. the, the, the irony being that from a QBR standpoint, he's probably going to have one of his better days uh, um, on Tuesday because I, I don't believe he's going to complete pass. But, um, you know, I, I didn't get his thoughts from gauging from other people who, who spoke to him. It wasn't that he's angry, um, but he might be. I mean, it's, I think it's disheartening. And, I mean, all along through this, throughout this process, the coaches have said, you know, we're not counting reps. Um, we're not keeping track of that stuff during practice. It's not, that's not an indicator. Um, that may or may not be true, um, but it's hard to think that Mitch didn't notice that he wasn't in. Almost at all during practice. I mean, that's pretty naive actually to think that. Well, even you for the got notice, and for the coaches too. You're not counting reps, but you put in Corp in there for six or seven plays. You put in uh, Barkley in for six or seven plays, and you put in Mustaine for one. I think you noticed that. I mean, you don't have to be a a math major to see that. You know, it's not even close. They're not counting reps, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what they say. I mean, I I I, I, I can't rationalize it. I don't know what that means. Um, I don't know if I believe it. Actually, I know I probably don't believe it, but um, that's what they're saying right now. They're, they're trying to be as diplomatic about this as possible. Um, I get the sense that they're starting to kind of talk themselves more into Barkley a little bit. Um, that I mean, he's becoming hard to ignore, and he's really making things difficult on him. I, 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 obviously, I think they want him to perform well. Um, but a, a part of me thinks that this might be just sheer conjecture. Um, but that, you know, it might have been easier had Barkley looked more like a normal freshman this this camp. And, and you know, it might have been easier if it was a two-man race between Mustaine and Corp. That might have been easier for them to, to stomach and made the decision a little easier because they don't have to weigh into account, you know, what does this mean for, you know, if we if we decide to start Matt Barkley, what does this mean for the quarterback? Are we going to be able to recruit elite quarterbacks in the next two years because we know that, you know, everybody's going to know that there's a starter locked in. Are we going to be able to, you know, hang on to the guys that we already have? I mean, there's extraneous factors that kind of go into the decision of naming uh, Matt Barkley the starter that I think, to go back to what we started, it could could make it harder for him to win the job. Yeah, I think recruiting is a really good point you bring up because Pete Carroll always has recruiting on the back of his mind. Why does he let us go out there and film winter workouts? and summer workouts and put it up. I mean, honestly, I think he knows that recruits are on uscfootball.com, rivals.com all the time. It shows them, hey, here's my program. These are the guys having fun. They're enjoying themselves. That we win. You know, he's, he's saying that we win, and we also show that we have a good time. So I think that's what's in Pete Carroll's mind is recruiting is always in there for some reason. And when you play a Joe McKnight as a freshman, and, you know, it shows that. But there's a different thing when you have a single position where there's only one guy at quarterback. It's good for recruiting that, yeah, a true freshman comes in and can play. But I think you make, made a good point. It's bad for recruiting when it, it might be hard to get a guy in for a couple of years if you have a, one freshman locked up in that spot. Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting – I mean, you touched on this a little bit. One of the kind of another interesting facet of it is that, like you said, it could be really good for recruiting in a way – where you say, okay, you know, we talk about competition all the time. Here's the ultimate example that, you know, you can talk to any five-star top-rated player in the country and say, you know what, I don't care how loaded we are at linebacker. I don't care how loaded we are at cornerback or safety or or position. If if you're better, you're going to play. Look at Matt Barkley. We had, you know, amazing quarterbacks, guys that were super highly rated, guys like Aaron Corp and Mitchell Westin who were here, you know, and Barkley beat them out, and that's why he's playing. They could say that. Now, I also think that, you know, other teams are going to use kind of the flip side of that against USC and say, you know what, your five-star kid, you could go in and wait two years, and then they could recruit someone else to play your position for you. No, I think Harvard, it, 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 
it's tricky. It's tricky, and Harvey Hyde brought up a really good point, and I think it 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 uh, corresponds with the point you made up. If Barkley does win out, like if Barkley is the best guy, the other players are going to know that. And I think as a coach, you can kind of lose some credibility if, for some political reason or something, they don't start Barkley. If he now, if it's close, then it's it's up for grabs. But if it's like if it goes out the rest of spring, and it's clear cut Barkley, I think the players know what's going on. And it if I don't think it would. It, they wouldn't do this team justice if they didn't start him if he ends up winning the job, clearly, which he hasn't at this point. He's played really, really well. You know, we have to wait and see what happens in the rest of the practices. But I, I think that's something that you, you can lose some of your players that way if you're not starting the best guys. But can you lose players too, guys? Um, like I, I talked to Taylor Mays. I thought this was kind of an interesting thing in yesterday's practice report that I asked Taylor Mays. I'm like, would you be comfortable for senior year, your last chance to win a national title? if the offense was given freshman. And he said he would, but, I mean, part of me thinks that maybe some guys wouldn't. No. Um, you yeah. know, maybe, like, the way I kind of view this thing is that Barkley's the kind of quarterback who can win you a football game. If you need if you need to pick up a third and 15 in the fourth quarter and you need to make a great throw down the field, I, I think he's the most capable quarterback to do that. I also think that if you just need to hold on to the ball and you need to not make mistakes and you need to preserve a win in a close game late, maybe on the road or something like that, that Barkley puts you more at risk to, to, to lose the game. And that's going to be, that's really, I think, at the crux of all of this is what kind of quarterback do they want? What do they think they need? Do they think that, you know, they're talented enough on offense where they don't need a guy to win them games, that they're going to count on guys like Damian Williams to win them games. You know, Stephon Johnson, C.J. Gable, those are the guys that are going to win them. Joe McKnight, those are the guys that are going to win them games. Do they think that, or do they think, you know what, we might be in a position where we need a quarterback to win us a game or two? I think the fan base has seen, I think back when, uh, you know, the liner days and stuff, I think he was enough of a risk taker, but also kind of took care of the ball. It seemed like they had the best of both worlds a little bit. Then they've kind of gone more to the management of the game kind of strategy the last few years, and it's really been the same kind of results where you know you're winning you know ninety nine percent of your games, but you lose that one because you know a few things didn't go quite right. I think the fan base right now, we could do a poll on the message boards. I don't think they'd mind the higher risk, higher reward kind of guy like now. Whoever would it would it would be? You know, if 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 Mitch Mustaine starts just bombing balls down the field or Corp or whatever. I don't think the fan base would mind that right now just because the USC team has performed so well, but it's just, it's almost like Groundhog's Day each and every year. It's the same kind of thing. I don't think they'd mind mixing it up a little bit. Would they mind it though when Barkley throws three interceptions at Notre Dame and USC loses? Well, I mean, that's happened all right. I mean, you, you had that happen against Stanford with Booty. You know, I mean, it, I think, you know, the, the lower risk guys are capable of having games like that as well. But the higher-risk guys, at least it's more exciting on those other days. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. But, I mean, there's also more risk. I mean, there's more risk in any game, you know. Um, I think the Booty-Stanford game, from my understanding of that, I was not here for it. But, I mean, that was a thing where Booty shouldn't have played. Yeah. And and, and, and they, I mean, didn't, they didn't take the chance. I mean, they stayed with the, we'll let the guy stay manage the game, as opposed to put in someone that doesn't have as much experience. And, you know, maybe that game shows a lot about, what Pete Carroll will do and you know, where they, they weren't really willing to, to put in Mark Sanchez at that point. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to say, but it's an interesting, it's an interesting question and we'll continue to talk about, but one, one thing I wanted to bring up with you, Dan, on the last thing on this subject, we don't want to, you know, over quarterback the podcast, but it's an all quarterback podcast almost. Um, The new system that Jeremy Bates is bringing and not that, you know, the offense is the same, but there's new terminology. How much do you think that aids someone like Barkley where, it's not like you're coming into this super established system where everything's exactly the same as it was last year. There's things that are new and they're new for Mitch Mustaine. They're new for Aaron Corp as just like they are new for, for Matt Barkley. I love it when we're on the same wavelength, honestly. Um, like this was almost precisely what I was going to be writing about. And we haven't talked about anything like that, I think. Um, but yeah, I think if Sark was the offensive coordinator, there'd be no chance Barkley could win the starting quarterback job. Um, I think that if the offense was more complicated, I don't think that it was it'd be a possibility. I think by having Bates here, it kind of put everybody back to ground zero a little bit, 
in terms of what they need to, that they need to learn. Obviously, Barkley had to learn more. He had to learn more of the playbook and stuff like that. But by having a, a new positional coach with um, gave everybody kind of a fresh start almost and made it more of a true competition, whereas like the preconceived notions that a guy like Sark might have had from you know seeing Mustaine and Sark and I'm sorry Mustaine and Corp every day, you know for the last two years, um, you know Barkley found up against that. I mean Bates I'm sure has watched film on it and stuff like that. And obviously, he still has to convince Carroll, ultimately. But I, I do think that there's a, a better chance of him getting Bates in his corner because that Bates doesn't know anybody from anybody else. I mean, they're all essentially freshmen to him. Um, they're all new to him. You know, he's a guy who hasn't coached in college, so it's not like he's a guy who can say, you know, well, starting a freshman quarterback never works. I mean, he's seen rookie quarterbacks succeed in the NFL. And I'm sure he views it similarly. All right. Um, okay. Let's uh, switch topics a little bit. I didn't mean to steal your sun- thunder, by the way, on your article, so sorry about that. But I just, you know, I had that no, question. Right. I, thought, I, <laughs> I think that's a good thing. I think it, I, I mean, I think it's honestly that that's, those are the, the, the kind of interesting, like, things behind this where the decision isn't, you know, it, it's not just who's best. And, and I, and I think there are also reasons for why I could look better than other guys. I, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Okay. Um, we got a question from, uh, Richard. He wanted to know, this is a kind of deal with the offensive line a little bit. We'll we'll talk about that. There are some definitely, there's some injury problems there right now, but he said in uh, Trent Dilford's evaluation of Mark Sanchez, Dilfer said that the offensive line did a poor job protecting him last year and the running backs often failed, uh, protecting against the blitz. So, Knowing that this uh, the line is currently, you know, uh, plagued with injuries, has the line shown improvement in the first couple of weeks of practice, or will mobility be at a premium for the quarterback position? Which I guess still kind of talks about you know the the ability for court. But you know, Barkley does a pretty good job of that as well. But also, do you agree with uh, Dilfer's assessment? And why do you think that the line has played poorly? Um, I, I I do kind of agree with what Trent Dilfer had to say. Um, I do think uh, the USC running backs last year didn't always pass protect the way they needed to. Um, Stephon Johnson struggled at times. CJ Gable struggled at times. He's supposedly one of the better blockers on the team um, from that position, and, and he struggled at times. You know that they do a lot with Havili, where they move him out of the backfield, so he's not back there to block. Um, I, I do think that that was an issue. I don't know if I'd say that the offensive line did a poor job protecting Sanchez because he. I feel like without having the numbers in front of him, he didn't get sacked a lot. Um, you know, and, and a lot of that, maybe he was forced to rush some throws and stuff like that. Um, I do think they struggled at times against Oregon State. Um, obviously, that was a game they lost. You know, I think what I've seen so far this camp is I've seen a, kind of an offensive line that's in a little bit of transition, which is surprising um, because they returned everybody. But they moved some people around. Obviously, I think the biggest news is Tyron Smith kind of leading at right tackle right now and what that kind of does to the rest of the line. Um, you know, it, it, you have him at right tackle, and then Charles Brown if he's okay, left tackle, and then you know O'Dowd at center, but he's not practicing. So you have Byers at center, and, and, and there's just guys that are just bouncing around. You know, they're experimenting with Butch Lewis at guard, they're experimenting with Nick Howell at guard. You have Zach Kemper at guard. You know, you move Derek Simmons from guard to defensive tackle, so he's not there. You and then you have the influx of guys like Howard Holmes and Matt Khalil, and where do they fit in? Um, and like Alex Parsons a has of, a big, you know, Alex cast Parsons, on. Yeah. He's got a cast on his hand. Garrett <laughs> Nolan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who knows where these guys are all going to fit? Um, which I think that's why you, we've seen the defensive line kind of go off for some huge days. Like Tuesday, I mean, they had 10 sacks. And, um, you know, I think part of that is because they're just still moving guys around. Um, I know what Pete Carroll would say, and he would say, you know, we're not playing tomorrow. This is a process. And, they're trying to figure out who the best five are together at this point, which I think is going to be tough without, you know, a guy like Odell in the mix. And if Butch Lewis and Charles Brown don't come back from their groin injuries, separate groin injuries, um, that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll not know exactly what they have yet, maybe leaving, you know, spring ball. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a follow-up question on that, Dan. You, you wrote in your Packers report those were separate groin injuries. Were you somehow implying that there was a possibility they could have been related groin injuries? I, I'm not sure why you put separate there. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I was, making, I was just making a joke. Cool. I, I always think that Butch, Butch Lewis and Charles Brown, for me, at least when I first started, I think they're very similar. They look kind of alike. They're both 
on the field, they both can be kind of goofy. I mean, I mean, now that I know more, I know Butch is like way goofier than Charles is, but I always kind of saw them as being kind of similar. And I just thought the idea of them both sharing a groin injury was kind of funny. <laughs> shared. Someone Google that shared groin injury. See if that ever had happened before. Um, so talk about the offensive line. And thank you, Richard, for the question. Anyone else podcast at uscfootball.com. If you want to send us your questions, um, you can do audio questions too. Don't forget about that. People seem to not be uh, willing to put that little effort in, but you can send email, you know, uh, regular written questions as well. Either way that works. Um, you have to talk about the defensive line as well. Uh, Tuesday of practice, I think you mentioned there was like 10 sacks. There was a lot of disruption in the backfield and, you know, there was only two tackles playing, so they had to play the entire practice on their own. So you, you kind of have to give them some credit. They didn't even do any seven on seven on Tuesday's practice. So it was, they, there was more 11 on 11 reps and only two healthy tackles that were willing to play. So they played each and every rep of the practice. But I, I think Charger fans have to be excited the way this defensive front has played because they look, I mean, they don't have the same big kind of names as they had last year, but they, they look, well, not yet. they look better. They well, look yet. better. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, they don't have those names yet. I think that obviously um, I'm hundred percent on the Everson Griffin bandwagon right now. Um, I think that there were questions about that. He would be a leader or would he be mature enough to kind of handle a more expanded role? He has looked terrifyingly frightening. He's uh, just crazy. Terrifyingly and, I mean, he plays with frightening. Such a motor. <laughs> yeah. He has looked ridiculous. I mean, I, like that one play where, I think they called him for offsides and everyone kind of talked trash to him. He came back, did the exact same thing and sacked the quarterback on the next play. And there was like, okay, who's talking now? I mean, he's emerged. And I think USC fans are going to love seeing him. Yeah, he's – and then Armand Armstead has looked really, really good. He had three sacks yesterday. I mean, he's another – kind of like Barkley where he's only going to get better at that position. I mean, you would hope. Um, I think that the inside Christian Chupu has looked really good. Um, I think Avril Spicer, when he's been out there, is a good draw. Casey has gotten to the quarterback. Wes Horton has been kind of a surprise and gotten to the quarterback and really, really developing. Um, and then you have a guy like Malik Jackson, who's a specialist. And, I mean, you look at Malik Jackson's body now versus when he came in, I mean, he almost looks like a different person. I mean, he's bigger um, without without losing any of his speed. The one thing I will say, though, about Everson Griffin that makes me a, a little nervous is, and I'd be curious, you know, I mean, if you want to get a little action on this, where would you set the over/under on offside calls on him this year? <laughs> uh, let's see. For him, you know, I, I I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to go with uh, four. Oh my gosh, it's going to be way more than four. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna get that in control. Don't worry. He has jumped. Um, up. He's he jumped does. off quite a bit. I think it'll be a different story come the fall. But you're right. I mean, he has. He's, he's jumped off a lot, but you know, it doesn't matter if he jumps off sides once and sacks the quarterback on the next play and it's still a net gain. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I would set it probably like 13. That's kind of where I, I, I think if it. he was getting, um, if he's getting one a game that, I mean, he'll get sat down. I mean, you can't, I don't think the coaches are going to put up with that. What if he gets three? But I also think that you could set the over under at sacks a game at two. <laughs> so it's like, I, I it, it's going to be really interesting. You know, I noticed yesterday after, um, I didn't get a chance to ask him about this, but uh, I noticed after he got flexed for offside, after I pulled him out and he had to do push-ups. Yeah. And, I mean, that's only going to make him stronger, though. <laughs> he's still going to get flagged for offside. <laughs> I mean, like, he, he, I, I, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, he's like, so right now, he's so hyperactive and he wants to make such a big impact. He's so eager. And it's great because that's what's making him look so good. But, like, you know, like I was saying, I mean, he does jump offside a lot. Like, I, again, another conversation I had, I believe, with uh, Gary Klein um, of from the Los Angeles Times was we were talking at the scrimmage about that, and you know I'd be curious to see film of all his sacks this um, <clears throat> this spring, just to see how many times he was offsides because sometimes it looks like I mean he, he looks like he's off the ball before he's snapped. I mean it, it, it's it's amazing. He's like in the backfield and, and the quarterback still you know got his hands under center, and maybe he's just that fast. I, I, I don't know. He's like cool, I mean, cool Papa is, Bell, or uh, he's you know he turns out the light and he's in bed before it gets dark, something like that. He's he's quick though. You have to. I mean, he is really fast off that corner. Good for you with the cool Papa Bell reference. <laughs> you, you know, you know the, the the reason for that story, right? Do you know how that came about? I'm not sure. No. 
um, it was, uh, you know, during the Negro Leagues, they would stay in these, these kind of rundown hotels and stuff like that. And there was a hotel that um, the electricity wasn't working always 100% properly. And that was, the joke was that Cool Bob Bell could run up, flip the light switch off, and the electricity would take a time to juice up and, and turn off. So he actually, like, literally could do that oh, at that one hotel. I didn't even know that. That's interesting. I'm a wealth of useless information, Ryan. This very, is, this is, you should know this. About very much, very much. But, yeah, it'll be, uh, you know, it'll be fun to watch him. I don't think they're going to let him have an offsides penalty a game. It's not like a home run hitter where they don't mind he strikes out twice if you hit a home run. Uh, I, I think they would get on – I think it would get on Jethro Franklin's nerves, to be honest. And, uh, you know, they want him to get to the quarterback, but they also want him to kind of – stay back there so we'll see it's probably somewhere between four and 13 i think it's probably in the middle of those two numbers i would bet nine nine i would set it at nine <laughs> I, I like and, and like i said i still think he could have you know 18 sacks and i would still set it at nine <laughs> like, <laughs> the only thing that makes that, that would make me nervous if i'm a usc fan is that you know once he's really gonna be taking off to rush the passer a lot of times on third down you know and in those passing situations and if it's third and nine i mean so that's when those penalties can get costly. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, and then, you know, if they start taking advantage of that, and if he doesn't, you know, stay home every once in a while, and they just dump a little screen pass over your head, and I mean, yeah, there's there's or definitely a hard count or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, really, yeah, there's potential there. Well, the, the last topic I want to talk about, I mentioned this, uh, Coach Harvey Hyde brought it up, and I, I really didn't even think about it this way, and maybe you have. Uh, he was saying that. If you had to name a starting uh, running back tomorrow, it would be Curtis McNeil. And, uh, I mean, he has performed really well. I didn't even think about that. I mean, there's been a lot of injuries and stuff, but he has performed. I mean, I don't know if you could ask him to do much more than he's already done. Um, I would disagree. But, um, I, I, I mean, yeah, he's, I mean, he's probably played the best. He's also gotten by far the most chances. And I, I do think it's hard to really gauge running backs this time of year just because of a lot of, so much of the stuff they do is, not, is no contact like we were talking before. It's like touch football a lot of times. But he did do well in the scrimmage. He looked really good in the scrimmage. Um, I think he had 13 carries for over 100 yards. The thing that I, again, I, I think is a little bit nerve-wracking um, is the fact that he's kind of Barry Sanders-ish in a way where, you know, Barry Sanders would lead the NFL in rushing, but he would also lead the NFL in yards lost. And I have seen a little bit of that from Curtis McNeil that makes me nervous because he's kind of a, a he's kind of a, a shifty kind of dancing type of a running back, and I think sometimes he gets caught behind the line of scrimmage too long instead of just moving forward and taking three yards, you know. And, and that's why I think it would be Stephon Johnson. I, I mean, I think Stephon Johnson's been the most solid. Um, I think C.J. Gable, obviously injured right now with a hip injury, um, has had some fumble issues stuff like that but I, I think Stefan would be the starting running back if uh they played today all right yeah I mean it's hard to argue against Stefan, but you do have to be impressed with the way McNeil has played and I, and I think that comes back to the same question of you know would the fans mind if you, you know you, you foregone you know you, you would forego a, a three or four yard gain every once in a while for a play that would be completely blown up and everyone else would have a four yard loss that you turn into a 25, you know, reverse your field, 25 yard game. And he seems to be the kind of guy that's capable of doing plays like that. He's going to be on the field. I think, um, I think there's, it's, if he continues to play like this, it'll be impossible to keep him off the field. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's just simple math. I mean, really, um, he, he's really moved ahead of Mark Tyler, um, pretty sizably. I think, um, this spring, that's kind of one of the underrated sort of positional depth chart flop flip flops. I think is that, Mark Tyler struggled with fumbles. Um, you know, he hasn't been – now he's hurt again. Um, I think that McNeil is, is really taking advantage of the reps he, he gets. And every time he does something, like, that makes the coaches say, oh, my God, I can't believe he did that, you know, he does other things that the coaches say, wow, he can do that too. You know, he's he's looked really good in pass blocking, which is, you know, surprising because he's not a big kid. I mean, that's I mean that's an understatement. He's, he's little. Um, but – I really do think he'll be on the field. It's just so hard to tell how many carries he's going to get. I just don't know. I think that if he – I think they'll give him a look early. I, I, I really do. If he's healthy going into San Jose State, I think he'll get carries against them. And I think if he has a big game, I think they'll look to get him the ball again the next week. And if he, I think it'll be like that. If, if they find that he's effective and if they find that teams have to game plan for him, I mean, that's only going to make things easier for guys like Stefan. 
Okay, one one last thing, and I just kind of thought of this now. Could the emergence of Curtis McNeil take reps and carries away from a, a potential superstar, Joe McKnight? Like, if he can do stuff that Joe McKnight does, do you think he's going to lose some carries to McNeil? Uh, no. No. Um, I think just because of they're, – they're just so different. Um I mean, Joe is kind of – people think Joe, think of Joe as like this big home run hitter, and, and he is to an extent, but I think Joe's more apt to getting like six yards and stuff like that, and, and, I, and I do think that he's a better receiver. Um, I think that what it might end up opening up is, is it might, you know, you might see McKnight in the slot some more, which is something that I think people want to see um, and, and, and stuff like that, but – I mean, obviously, I think anytime you add a care, add a running back to the mix, it's going to take carries somewhere and stuff like that. But I, I still think, I guess if your question is that, is there room for both of them? I think there is. All right. Well, Dan, thank you very much for your time and insights. We'll be uh, talking more USC spring football next week. Next week is the last week of spring football with the huddle following up that weekend. And we'll have one more. So we have two more shows probably talking about spring ball. We'll have the wrap-up show in two weeks, and we'll – talk about where all the battles are next week. But thanks again for your time, Dan, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. Always a pleasure, Ryan. All right, and thanks to uh, Coach Harvey Hyde in the first segment. All of you, thanks for tuning in. Again, if you have any questions, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Thank you very much for tuning in. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 